Well, isn't that a blessing? That is a blessing. Thank you so much. Wonderful, wonderful. Take your Bibles today, if you will, please, and turn to the book of Job. The book of Job this morning, Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. I want to ask uh, all of the uh, young people, listen, preacher typically doesn't preach long, long on Sunday morning, and so we're not going to be long today. I'm going to ask you to to really do your best to, to remain still and uh, we don't want to try to, we don't want to distract anybody today. And so I'll not preach long this morning, so do your best, unless it's an absolute emergency, uh, if you'll just do your best to sit real still for us today. Job chapter 1 in your Bibles. And, uh, you know, uh, most always I'll preach a message on Sunday morning, then I'll preach a different message on Sunday night. Uh, hardly, hardly ever, just every once in a while, I'll preach a two-part message. Uh, I did last Sunday. And uh, But I feel in my spirit that probably we're leaning that way today. And I have a message. I have a message I was going to bring for you tonight uh, out of Isaiah chapter 28. And I, and I want to uh, I want to get there because it's a good message, and I believe it will help you, and I believe it will challenge you. But I'm just, uh, this morning as I was uh, just studying and meditating and just praying and thinking about the service today and thinking about the message this morning, uh, it could be that we may just we may break this up. I may preach just the introduction this morning, and then I'll preach the main part tonight. But boy, I'll tell you what, if that's the case, then without a shadow of a doubt, you need to be in the service tonight. And so I want to encourage you to be back uh, for the 6 o'clock hour. Job chapter 1, in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, if you'll stand with us this morning, out of respect for the reading of God's Word. It's 22 verses, but I want to read the whole, whole chapter today, and it won't take us but just a moment. And then we're going to use our Bibles a little bit today. This is going to be, uh, we'll uh, put some teaching in this outline as well, so keep your Bibles handy because we are going to be turning to some places this morning. Job chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now there was a day, verse 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them, and the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And then Satan answered and, and, uh, the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Wouldn't it be great if God said that about our testimony? Verse 9, Then Job answered, or I'm sorry, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an edge about him, about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence 
of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands fell upon the camels and have carried them away. Yea, I have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped. In other words, he was involved in mourning. That's what that's talking about. It was a, uh, a, it's a picture of mourning, sadness. In verse 21, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. And you may be seated this morning. And I want to talk to you about that subject that you see on the screen. What a difference a day makes. What a difference a day makes. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, several, several weeks ago when Brother Melvin passed away, the Lord began to deal with my heart about this, about this message but I just didn't have, I didn't have liberty to preach it for several weeks and I just sort of had it and I'd begin to jot down some notes and things this week and it seemed like this week the Lord began to give me a green light to preach this message and, uh, and so I want to I talk to you a little bit about that subject this morning and maybe tonight a little bit, but what a difference a day makes. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, church, and, I, and you're listening well, you're listening well, but this would be a good day to listen well on. And young people, this would be a really good day to listen on. It really would. Because life is full of changes. It's full of changes. Uh, it's one of the reasons we have church. We have church to worship. Of course, we want to worship the Lord. But Sunday morning ought not be the only worship service you're involved in. Uh, you ought to have a worship service every day of your life and worship God every day of your life. Worship is a, is a, part, of our, is a part of our service on Sunday, but also... Uh, one of the things that we accomplish on Sunday is we get ready for that screen right there. We get ready for change. And so I'm going to talk to you a little bit about uh, that subject. And we'll talk about some things that we can do when change comes. But specifically, I want to talk to you about change today, this morning. And so let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us this morning. Father, thank you so much for church. Thank you for Calvary. And God, we pray you'll continue to bless us. And Lord, continue to expand our vision and extend our outreach. And God, help us, please, to stay away from complacency and help us not to get, Lord, help us not to settle for the status quo. God, help us not to be satisfied with mediocrity and just getting by and just having a few in the service. But God, I pray that, Lord, we'll constantly be, be striving for more and, Lord, wanting to accomplish more for the cause of Christ and get more people saved and, and see more lives changed and preach the Bible to more. 
And so, Lord, I pray that you'll, you'll bless our discussion this morning and help us as we go to several places in our Bible. And I pray that you help the Word of God to come alive in our hearts and our minds uh, today. And so, Lord, please now, please direct the service. I plead the blood of Jesus uh, over the service. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit now. And uh, I pray that Jesus will be lifted up in a wonderful way. We love you and praise you and ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, Amen. I want to draw your attention, first of all, to several verses in our passage that we read this morning. The first one is in verse number six. You'll notice there, the Bible says, now there was a day. There was a day. It's a specific day. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Then I want to draw your attention, if I could, to verse number 13. The Bible says in verse 13, and there was a day. This was a specific day, a certain day. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. Then I'd like you to notice, if you will, verse number 14. The Bible says, and there came a messenger unto Job and said, by the way, I believe verse 14 is the same day as verse 13 is the same day as verse number six. Uh, look at verse number, verse number 16. The Bible says, about this messenger, verse 16, while he was yet speaking. In other words, there are not a, a day had not passed yet. Uh, th this gives us an idea of what day we're talking about. So verse 16, while he was yet speaking. In other words, the messenger in verse 14, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the fire of God is fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And then I want to draw your attention to verse 17. The Bible says, while he was yet speaking. What's that talking about, pastor? It's talking about the messenger in verse number 16, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then I want to draw your attention to verse number 18. The Bible says, while he was yet speaking. What's he talking about, preacher? Talking about the message in verse number 17. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, thy sons and thy daughters were evil eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. Again, my point this morning is this, all in one day, all in one day, all in just a little span of time. Now, this wasn't several weeks. This wasn't drawn out in several weeks. I mean, brother, I'm telling you what, Job's D-Day came all in one day, all in one day. And if there's one thing the book of Job teaches us, it's this church, that one day can make all the difference in the world. One day, you know what? You can wake up today with a changed life tomorrow. You may be here this morning, and, and, and I hope you are. Maybe you're here this morning, and, and you're just footloose and fancy free, and man, you're just singing, and, you know, zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day, my oh my, what a wonderful day, and everything's going great, and your health is great, and your bills are paid, and you have a beautiful home and a beautiful car to drive, and maybe your wife is just beautiful and healthy, and your kids are, 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 are getting A's on the report cards, and they're all doing great, and by the way, that's wonderful, and, and we rejoice 
rejoice about that. We ought to rejoice when we see our brothers and sisters blessed. We ought to rejoice. But the truth of the matter, and by the way, this is not morbid preaching. I promise you it's not. This is not negative. Uh, we're going to get into some very positive things, but this is just reality. And sometimes it's it's encouraged, it, it, it's important for us to be uh, you know, reminded of the things that are, are real in our life. And that's this, that one day can make all the difference in the world. You can wake up today with a changed life tomorrow. Now, church, listen, change is a part of life. And teenagers, change is a part of life. And I want to tell you what, boy, thank God, if you're a teenager, enjoy your teenage years. Enjoy that. And teenagers are 14 years old. I can't wait till I'm 16. And 16 say, I can't wait till I'm 18. And 18 year olds say, well, I can't wait till I'm 21. And I want to tell you what, it'll be here before you know it. And then you'll be saying, boy, I wish I was 21 again. Uh, and uh, I'll be honest with you, you know what? I don't wish I was 21 again. I'm happy where I am. I'm enjoying life. Brother, I'm enjoying life. And, and I want you to enjoy life where you are. But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter if you're 41 or 21. Change is a part of life. And it doesn't matter if you're a sot down here at the local tavern or you're a member of the Calvary Baptist Church. The truth of the matter is, change is a part of life. That's not negative preaching. It's just realistic that change is a part of life. Now you say, preacher, how do you know that? Well, how about this? The past proves that change is a part of life. We look at Job this morning, and we find here in Job chapter 1 that Job is a prosperous man. He is prosperous one day, but poor the next. We read in our scripture this morning, the Bible says that Job is so wealthy that Job wakes up. He literally wakes up on this day. He wakes up the, one of the greatest men of the East. That's what the Bible says. I mean, brother, he is absolutely wealthy. He's got so much. And, and he wakes up just tremendously blessed and tremendously wealthy. In fact, the Bible says that Job has 7,000 sheep. 7,000. Man, that's a lot of sheep. He's got 3,000 camels. Now, think about that. Man, you know what? That's a status back in that day. Status of wealth. 3,000 camels. Now, I don't know if they were one humpers or two. I don't know, but, but uh, you know, boy, this is, I mean, 3,000 camels. That's a lot of camels. He's got, uh, he's got 500 yoke of oxen, so that's 1,000. That's 1,000 oxen. He's got 500 donkeys, and the Bible says that he has a very great household. He's got maids. He's got servants. He's got people that cook for him. He's got people that clean the house. I believe that Job's probably got some beautiful homes. It was probably... I mean, it was probably something like the Bonanza, uh, the Ponderosa. I mean, man, it was just absolutely, it was just beautiful. I believe that. I believe it was just, man, it was just a beautiful ranch. And, and uh, man, he could walk out on his, on his porch and he could see the camel grazing. And, man, he could see all the sheep out there. And, uh, I mean, boy, just uh, just unbelievably blessed. Uh, but and, and Job wakes up that way. But wait a minute now. But before the day was done. Now, wait a minute now. Before the day was done done, Job has nothing. Now, how can you go from 7,000 sheep to nothing? How can you go from 3,000 camels to nothing? Man, the guy's got 500 donkeys. Now, that would be, you know what that'd be? That'd be like you having, that'd be like you having 50 cars in your, in your garage. 50. Now, I've heard of having three-car garage, four-car garage, but can you imagine having a 50-car garage? 
I mean, the guy's got, listen, he's got multiple modes of transportation. Uh, you know what? He's unbelievably wealthy, but he wakes up and all is gone. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, oh, what a difference a day makes. One day, one day can make all the difference in the world. That's why we say, boy, you ought to listen when you come to church. That's why, and we're not mad at our kids, good night, but that's why we tell our young people to listen up because you know what? You may not feel like you need this now, but brother, listen, the day may come, by the way, sooner than later. Later, when you may need what you're getting in Sunday school, and you may need what you're getting from this pulpit, why? Because life is a life is a, is a life of change. What a difference a day makes. Think about this: Moses wakes up in the palace of Pharaoh one day. Now think, now, now use your imagination. I love to read the Bible and use my imagination. You understand that Moses is unbelievably he he is by all regards the son of Pharaoh. Did you know that Pharaoh back in that, that day was considered God? And so people looked at Moses like he, like he lived in heaven. I mean, Pharaoh was Ra. He was, he was the God of Egypt and, and Moses lives in Pharaoh's palace and I can see Moses every day he gets up and he's waited on hand and foot and they comb his hair and they brush his beard and, and uh, they prepare his meals and I mean, they're all set out on the table. His clothes are laid out on the bed. His bed is turned down. His bed is made up. I mean, everything's cleaned up for Moses and, and you understand that one day Moses wakes up in the palace of Pharaoh and the next day, he wakes up in the wilderness. I mean, brother, you talk about dra a drastic change. I thought about David. David is living the life of a shepherd boy one day and anointed king of Israel the next. Joseph is a, is a happy-go-lucky one boy, a, a, a happy-go-lucky boy one day who's telling his daddy and his brothers about his dreams and, uh, and all these things. And, and, uh, and then the next day, he's sold into slavery. He's in prison one day and promoted to world leader the next. Joshua is a faithful second man. Boy, thank God for Joshua and his burden. He was that servant to Moses, and here Joshua is. He's just that faithful second man. I mean, just helping Moses and blessing Moses and assi assisting Moses, and he's just that, that good second man one day, but he's the leader the next. Of some say two million, two and a half million children of Israel. Uh, man, what, listen, what a difference a day makes. I'm just saying this, brother, that life is all about change. And uh, it's great today. And by the way, I hope it'll be great tomorrow. And here's the thing, we'll get into this. You know what, if you've got Christ, it can be great. Regardless of what happens, it can still be great. And so this is not negative preaching today. So change is a part of life. The past proves this truth. But how I thought about this, you know what, church? The present proves this truth. Change is a part of life. What do you mean, preacher? Well, several thousand people go to a place called Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm sure that some of those folk were just there on vacation. And, uh, man, they were seeing the sights. It hadn't been too long since our kids were there. Boy, really, only four hours from Brother Zach and Miss Amber. And uh, really hit home. Uh, it's the only Cracker Barrel they have, and so they drive all the way to Las Vegas to go, go to Cracker Barrel. I'm telling you, I never knew Cracker Barrel was that good. Uh, but here's thousands of people in Las Vegas, Nevada, 
enjoying vacation, seeing the sights, uh, and all these kind of things. And little did they know that as they got there one day, everything would be great, and they'd be laughing, and they'd be eating together, and they'd be having a time. And little did they know that there'd be some kind of a, uh, some kind of a, a psychopath uh, up in a window uh, who had multiple uh, assault rifles and would just begin to mow people down. And I think 58 or 59 people lost their life that night, and over 500 people uh, were wounded that night. Wait a minute now, wait a minute now. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that one day they're laughing and one day they're cutting up and one day they're vacating and one day they're eating together and one day they're having a cheeseburger and the next day they're planning funerals. The next day they're going to the, to, going to the hospital to visit their loved ones. Oh, listen, what a difference, what a difference a day makes. One of the, one of the most beautiful islands that my wife and I have ever been to is the island of Puerto Rico. And, I, and I, thought, I thought about this, boy, you know what? People are living in Puerto Rico and vacationing in Puerto Rico, beautiful Puerto Rico. Listen, Puerto Rico's got one of the be- most beautiful oceans and beaches that you've ever seen. And one day, boy, they're having a great time in Puerto Rico, and the next day, they're dealing with absolute devastation. No power, can't get through the roads, no hospitals. I mean, listen, no cell phone, uh, uh, can't, uh, can't call out, can't fly out. I mean, every flight is booked and uh, just tremendous, tremendous change. I thought about this, people, uh, people going to work in Mexico City like any normal day. We have some great missionaries that pastor churches in Mexico City and people are going to work like just any normal day in Mexico City and the next day, you know what? They're buried in concrete after a major earthquake. Hits Mexico City. People are living in multi-million dollar homes in California, which is not, you know, my house would be a multi-million dollar home in California. But I'm talking about houses that are a lot bigger than mine. And you understand that people are living in multi-million dollar homes with swimming pools and jacuzzis and, uh, and irrigation systems in their, in their grass and, and their yards are manicured just right and they've got beautiful cars, maybe a Mercedes or maybe a Lexus uh, in the garage and, and boy, everything's good and they're set. They've got money in the bank and they're living in this beautiful home one day but the next day, the house is gone because of a wildfire. That begins to burn through California. Would you take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to James chapter 4? James chapter 4. And I want you to understand this morning, church, that this is not my message. This is God's message. James chapter 4. And would you look at verse number 13? And notice what our Bible tells us here. James chapter 4 and verse number 13. James says, go to now. He said, ye that say today or tomorrow... We will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. He said, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. In other words, James, James is saying this, that man, life's fragile and life changes. Some of you can relate to this. Uh, my mom used to have a, she used to have an old-fashioned tea kettle. And mom would be boiling water in that old-fashioned tea kettle. 
And I'd go in there, and boy, she'd have that thing going hot, and, and that steam would be coming out of that little lid. You know what I'm talking about? That steam would be coming out of that lid. And as a kid, you'd go in there, and you'd, you could run your hand through the steam. It was hot, but you could run your hand through the steam. Uh, and that steam, though, as a kid, is mesmerizing to a kid because that steam would go up just a little ways and then just disappear. And that's what James is talking about. That's how our life is. Man, it's here today, gone tomorrow. Change uh, is a part of life. Well, you say, preacher, but you don't understand. I've got a large bank account and, and I've, got to, uh, I, I've got a lot of money set aside. That's wonderful. But listen to what the Bible tells us in Proverbs 23, 5. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Can I say this? Don't ever get too, don't ever get too settled. Because you can have a lot of money one day and you can be broke the next. You see, our security is not in the bank account. Our security is not in the checkbook. Our security is, is not in a beautiful, nothing wrong with that, nothing, nothing, but our security is not in a beautiful car or a beautiful home. Our security is not in a great job. Brother, listen, in corporate America any day, anymore nowadays, you never know from one day to the next if you've got a job or not. I mean, we no longer have the loyalty system that we used to have where people work, uh, work at a corporation for 30 or 40 years and, and they, they leave with a pension and they leave with, with some good rewards. Now, brother, listen, you may work at a place for 35 years and they just say the next day you're fired. And so that's all I'm saying this morning, that life can change in a day. What a difference. What a difference a day makes. The past proves this truth. The, the, the present proves this truth. But I want you to hear me out. But I'll tell you something else that proves this truth. The future will prove this truth. Did you know, church, there's coming a day when all will be normal, but the next day will be absolute pandemonium. Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And would you look with me at verse number two? And I know this is probably, this is talking about second coming, but First uh, Thessalonians chapter five and, and verse number two still gives you an idea here. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse two, the Bible says, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now watch what it says. For when they shall say peace and safety, in other words, everything's okay. Everything is secure. When they shall say peace and safety, the Bible says, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Listen, not only does the past prove that life is full of change and the present proves that life is full of change, but the future will prove that life is a life of change. I thought about the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church will bring change. Do you know that? Did you know that, that, that you said, preacher, rapture of the church, what is that? Well, uh, we, we believe according to the word of God that one of these days that Jesus is going to come in the clouds and those that are part of the church, those that are saved, uh, the Bible says the trumpet of God's gonna sound. Jesus is gonna come with the shout of the archangel and those of us who are saved are gonna take off and we're gonna meet the Lord in the air. And by the way, so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the rapture of the church. Uh, those that are saved will be called out. Those that are lost will remain behind the rapture of the church. And I want to tell you what, brother, uh, uh, long before we get to that second coming, long before we get to that, uh, there's going to be major, major change in this world. 
At the rapture of the church, think about this, millions of Christians will disappear in an instant. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. You say blank? No, faster than a blank. In the twinkling of an eye, almost immeasurable amount of time. The twinkling of an eye. There'll be no time to run out of the church house and get right. There'll be no time to, uh, you say, well, preacher, when I hear that trumpet sound, boy, I'm going to get on my cell phone. I'm going to call you up, and you better hope you don't get my voicemail. But if you could, you wouldn't have enough time to call. Brother, by the time, by the time, listen to me now, by the time you even think about reaching for your cell phone, it's done. Over. It's over. I'm telling you, it's over. I mean, brother, before you can even begin to look for your keys to get in your car to come to the church, it's over. I mean, the rapture of the church will have taken place. Millions of Christians will disappear in an instant. What are you, what are you talking about, preacher? Saved employees will be gone. Saved nurses. Hundreds and thousands will be gone. You don't think that'll make a difference? Saved parents will be gone. Kids will come home from school looking for mom and dad. Mom? Dad? Dad? Saved parents will be gone in a flash. How about this? Saved children will be gone in a flash. Parents will come home with all the pandemonium and they'll, they'll call for their, their kids and they'll say, honey, where are you? And they'll look through the bedroom and look under the bed and look out in the building and, and look out in the backyard. But those kids that were saved won't be there. Why? Because those kids were raptured out. Saved teachers will disappear. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that the rapture will bring, uh, the rapture of the church will bring change. Think about this. Planes will be left without pilots. Sometime, sometime back when we, were, when we flew into Los Angeles, and some of you flew into Los Angeles, LAX there. Uh, man, oh man, what a, what a place. And we were getting our rental car, and literally while, while we were waiting to get the rental car, I was standing outside with our luggage, and these Airbus 380s, which are the double-decker planes, they have 853 passengers. 853 passengers, and literally, I sat out there with the luggage, and those Airbus 380s came in one after the other. I mean, brother, just one behind another. Uh, and, and I thought about this. You know what? Those planes, 853 passengers, no pilot. And now because of our security, there'll be no way to get in the cockpit. I, I'm, just, I'm just getting you to think a little bit this morning. So now you've got a plane with just shy of a thousand people on it and they're beating on the cockpit door not able to get in. And you know what? If you could look through, there's whatever you call those that you steer a plane with, steering wheel, whatever it is. You know what? They're up there, but there's no pilot. You think about that. You talk about change. You, you, you talk about change. How about this? Semis loaded with 80,000 pounds of cargo going 70 mile an hour down the interstate. 70 mile an hour, 80,000 pounds. I mean trucking down the interstate and all of a sudden the rapture takes place and that trucker's a saved man. Instantly he's called out. There's no time to pull the truck over. There's no time to set up a roadblock. But 80,000 pounds of cargo begins to barrel down the road. Nobody driving the truck. 
I thought about this. It, the rapture of the church, you talk about change. The rapture of the church will cause the greatest prison break in history. All of a sudden, jailers will notice thousands of inmates have gone missing. I'm talking about young men that have been in our services and accepted Christ as Savior. Wait a minute, made a mistake? Yes, they did. Wait a minute, serving their time in prison? Yes, but saved. And you know what? When the rapture of the church takes place, those bars aren't holding them back. That barbed wire's not holding them back, brother. They're gonna meet the Lord just like you and I are gonna meet the Lord and thousands of inmates will instantly disappear. How about this? Operating rooms will be left without surgeons. So here's a major operation going on, maybe heart surgery, maybe brain surgery. And that, 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 uh, that surgeon that is absolutely rehearsed in how to do uh, brain, and, and brain surgery and it has to be absolutely precise. I mean, there's no room for error and they've already taken off the skull and that surgeon gets ready to go into that brain and there's that, that patient lying there between, between heaven and hell and, uh, uh, and, and all of a sudden that surgeon, as he gets ready to do that surgery, rapture takes place. That scalpel drops. That patient's laying there on life support. Maybe the anesthesiologist is to say, man, he's gone. Maybe a nurse or two, they're gone. And now you have a brain patient that, that's laying on the table and nobody to care for them. Think about now, I'm just, I'm just trying to get your, your mind thinking a little bit this morning. You say, preacher, this is comic book stuff. Not comic book, it's called God's book. Don't take my word for it. Get home today and start studying out. Read it for yourself. Read it for yourself. Listen, change. The rapture is going to bring about change. It's going to bring about amazing, amazing change. Think about this. And I know this is scary, but think about this. <laughs> Here's this little mommy and daddy, like Zach and Amber, that give birth to a little one. Man, she goes through the jaws of death and, and they deliver that little one and, and, uh, uh, and the, the pediatrician checks it out and the nurses come and, and they take it to the nursery and they say, now you get some rest and, and uh, we're gonna go clean it up and, and we're gonna weigh it and we're gonna measure it and, and uh, we're gonna give him a bath and, and uh, you stay here and get some rest and then you can come down to the nursery in a little bit and we'll let, you, we'll let you get your baby and bring it back to the room and you can nurse it and take care of it and cuddle with it. And, uh, and so sure enough, the doctors and nurses take it all down to the nursery and this little mama, uh, maybe she takes a bath or maybe she gets some rest or maybe they eat a meal together uh, and a little bit later in the evening she says to her husband, honey, why don't we go down to the nursery and let's get our baby. Oh, they're so excited. Let's get our baby and they begin to walk down. He helps her very carefully, takes her arm and he begins to help her down to the nursery and little did they know that during that time, you know what? The rapture took place. And I believe according to scripture, those little babies are covered in the grace of God. And when the trumpet blows, those little babies, whew, raptured out. Mom and daddy came that, come down that little nursery. They put their noses up against that glass getting ready to try to summons the nurse. We want to get our baby. Then we get to look through and all the cribs are empty. You, you, you know this is going to happen. Brother, you mess with a woman's children and the claws come out 
And man, she starts, I mean, she sees other babies and she starts getting hysterical and she starts scanning. And sure enough, she locates the little crib and she sees the name and she sees the color. Uh, she knows they had a little boy, a precious little boy. And she sees the crib, but the baby's not there. She begins to knock on the window and she says, where's my baby? Where's my baby? Where's my baby? Where have you taken my baby? Where's my, and other parents coming. They begin to, they begin to go hysterical. Where's our baby? Where's our baby? Where's our baby? Where's our, what, what, what's going on? Change. You say, you believe that's going to happen? Brother, I know it's going to happen. How about this? How about this? The rapture of the church will bring change. A world that will be left without the church. No church. Oh, there'll be some church houses. Don't get me wrong. But I'm talking about the church will be gone. Thousands of policemen are gone. Thousands of firemen, when those big A380 Airbus planes crash into neighborhoods and take out whole blocks, city blocks, and now you've got jet fuel burning, but we don't have near the firemen to fight the fires because those firemen are in heaven. How about this church? World leaders are gone. World leaders. I'm talking about senators that are saved. They're gone. Governors uh, that, that are needed in a time of catastrophe. Governors that are needed in a time of chaos. All of a sudden, they call the governor's office and they call him, they call him, they call him. This week. Where's the governor we need him? Governor's gone. World leaders are gone. And how about this, church? Cemeteries will be left without bodies. You say, preacher, what in the world are you talking about? Let me show it to you. Take your Bibles, if, if you will. I want you to turn two places, but first of all, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 in your Bibles. And look at verse number 50. Now, in case you don't know, this is the story of the resurrection. And Christ, Christ has been resurrected and notice what happens here. I believe, I personally, I believe this. I believe these are the saints coming out of paradise. But the Bible says in Matthew 27 and verse number 50, and regardless of what you believe, I believe it's a picture of what the rapture is going to be like. Matthew 27, 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Look what happened. And the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Wow, you don't think that got some people's attention. Now turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is talking about rapture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and look at verse number 15. Change. The rapture is going to bring about change. First Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to bring this to a close. And look at verse number 15. Look what the Holy Spirit says. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Study that word out. It, it's, the, it's the word. It, it's, it's people that are dead, have died. They're sleeping. 
shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, watch now, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Granny Mac's getting a head start on me. Do you know that? Now, we're getting caught up too, but we're getting caught up after them. And the Bible says that those that are dead in Christ will come out. They'll come out. You understand that, I, I don't know, I can't explain it all, but I do, I do believe this. Brother, I believe there's going to be a change in the cemetery. And, and, and people are, are not going to, it's not going to look like, listen, that cemetery down there is not going to look the same after the rapture of the church. Now, I don't know how the world's going to explain it. I don't know, but I'm just saying this, brother. If God said it, I believe it, and God said it, and I believe it. And so the rapture of the church will bring change. We've got to bring this to a close, but how about this? The rise of the Antichrist will bring change. The Antichrist, by the way, by the way, by the way, did you know that there is a really, really, really good chance you've already seen him? You saved him. Run that by me again, preacher. There's a real good chance. You've already seen him. Maybe on Fox News. Maybe on World News Tonight. Brother, the stage is being set, I'm telling you that. And this world is being set up, listen, and they're going to wholeheartedly, open-handedly receive a world leader that feels like he's got the answers. That's right. And with the Antichrist, he'll become that world dictator and all will be commanded to receive a mark. That mark of the beast. Now, you say, preacher, what's going to be like? I'm not sure. The Bible says on the forehead or, the, or, or the, the hand, I don't know if it's going to be a number that you can see. I don't know if it's going to be a chip embedded underneath. I, I, I have no idea with all the technology that's going on today, but I do know this, there's going to be a mark. And you'll have to receive the mark, and if you don't receive the mark, no buying, no selling. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll not, no longer walk into Walmart, who, who, by the way, Walmart will be controlled by the Antichrist. So you'll no longer walk into Walmart and fill up your, your, your grocery basket and say, all right, check me out. It'll be none of that unless you have the mark. Uh, you, you'll, uh, you know what? You'll not go to the emergency room and say, yeah, I, I need some medication or I've run out of my medication or the pharmacy. I need my medication refilled. Oh, there's none of that. Now, not unless you have the mark of the beast. By the way, that's why people will, will just say, line me up. I'll gladly take it because i got to have my meds. Y'all with me? Change. Those who refuse the mark will be hunted down like criminals. And those who take the mark will be eternally damned. So according to the word of God, once you receive the mark of the beast, there's no chance for you. No hope for you ever to be saved. And so the rise of the Antichrist will bring change. We're done. How about this? The return of Christ will bring change. In fact, the Bible speaks of a battle as the world has never seen. In fact, our Bible tells us that so many will die that the blood will flow to the level of the horse's bridle. Change. Change. Now, we're done. Ask your question. Are you ready? Are you ready? If the trumpet of God sounded in the next five seconds, are you ready? You say, I'm a good person. It's not what I'm asking. Are you ready? Will you say, preacher, I'm, I'm a church member. It's not what I'm asking. Are you ready? 
You say, well, preacher, my mom and dad are some of the best people I know. That's wonderful, but that's not what I'm asking. Are you ready? Are you ready for change? And the only way you can be ready for the kind of change I'm preaching about this morning is you must know Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, we're going to get into that night, but you must know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you're here this morning and you say, preacher, I hope I'm saved, that's not enough. I'm going to tell you all something, church. If I heard a message like this, and I was sitting out there, and I didn't know that I 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 was saved. I'm gonna tell you what, brother. I wouldn't. I wouldn't wait for the preacher to give me the invitation, brother. I mean, brother, I'd get down to this altar as fast as I could, and I'd call on Jesus, and I'd, amen, brother, and I'd get saved because you know what? What I preach about today may happen by tonight. What a difference a day makes. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your blessings. And thank you, Lord, that you tell us how to deal with change. We'll get into that later tonight. But, Lord, maybe there's somebody here this morning and they're not ready. They're not ready for the Lord to come again. They're not ready for the rapture. Lord, they're not ready. Father, if there's somebody like that here in our midst today, I pray that before this service is done, before they they walk off this property, God, I pray today that they'll come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. God, maybe there's a child of God here. They're saved. They are saved. They they can take me back to the revival or the service where they got saved. But, But Lord, spiritually speaking, they're not ready. They've wandered far away from the things of God. They've, they're not in, in the will of God like they need to be. They're not fired up for the things of Christ. Lord, other things have taken priority over the Lord. Salvation, yes, but they're not ready for the Lord to come. God, today, life is all about change. Help us to be ready. Help us to be ready. Father, there's somebody here this morning has a parent that's lost. They need to get that parent saved. There's somebody here this morning that has a child that's lost without Christ. They need to start praying for that child that they'll be saved. Somebody here this morning, uh, Lord, works with a coworker who's lost. They need to get concerned about that coworker. There's a there's a young person here this morning that goes to school with another young person that's lost. They need to get concerned about that young person. May we be ready for change. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Let me ask a question or two. I wonder, first of all, how many are here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I'm getting ready to be real honest. I'm getting ready to be real honest. And you're listening really good this morning. But you'd say, Preacher, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. Preacher, Would you remember me? Would you pray for me? Would you say a prayer for me? I want to know that I know that I know that I know. And if you're like that this morning, would you just slip your hand up? Can I pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. All right? I see that hand. Is there another right now? You'll raise it up right now. Raise it high so I can pray for you. I'm not going to come back and try to get you or anything like that. I just want to pray for you. Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there another anywhere right now? Come on, be honest. Would you let me pray for you? You'd raise it real high. Preacher, pray for me. 
If I died, I'm not sure about heaven. I want to go. I want to go. But I'm not sure I'd be there. Preacher, would you pray for me? Is there one else here today? Hey, Christian, how about you? Saved? Yes. Praise the Lord. But are you ready to stand before Jesus Christ? Are you ready? If not, then I'll tell you what I think we ought to do. We ought to join these that are already in the altar this morning. Maybe today you need to come down and breathe that spouse's name to Jesus. Maybe today, parent, you need to come and breathe that name of that child that's lost to Christ. Hey, teenager, maybe today you need to come and mention that parent's name to the Lord and say, Lord, would you save mama? God, would you save daddy? Would you save him? Would you save grandma? I love grandma. I want her to be in heaven. Would you save her? Now, church, listen. Let's do business with the Lord. Don't let this be just another sermon. Would you stand all over the house this morning, Father? <clears throat> Please have your way. I really feel like you're dealing with hearts. God, change is on the way. Help us to be ready for change. And God, the only way we'll be truly ready for that day is if we're saved and know God. I pray today you'd help folks to come. And I pray today they'd trust Christ as Savior. I pray that Christians will get things straightened out with the Lord today. God, that we'll get our, our priorities realigned with the things of the Lord. Father, please, help us, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. We'll just keep our heads bowed just for another few moments. And the pianists will play. And if you need to come, if you need to come, the altar's open. Listen, pastor's going to be here in the main, in, on the main floor. And if you're here today, if you're here today and you say, Preacher, I'm not sure about heaven. Okay, pastor's going to be here on the main floor. I'll tell you what you do. Just step out and come on down here and shake my hand. And we'd like to take the Bible and show you how to be saved. Now, we're not going to make you give a speech or anything like that. We just want to show you how that you can have a home in heaven and be saved. And so, well, now's a good time to come. Folks are on the altar. Now's a good time to come. If you feel something knocking right now, sort of knocking on your heart, you feel that need to come, listen, now's going to be the time. All right? You say, preacher, I am scared to death to walk down to the front. Okay, then I'll tell you what you do. Why don't you ask the person beside you if they'll walk down here with you, and that'll be fine. That'll be just fine. So, Lord, have thy way, please. I really feel like right now you're dealing with some hearts. Please have your way, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed. Pants will play. You come today while we wait. Now's a good time to come.